Deborah McNellis is one of my very most favorite kinds of educators and people because Deborah is in it for the love of it. She has her master's degree in education. She's an author, speaker, and most helpful for you, dear listener, Deborah has created the Neuro Nurturing Interaction Packets for the specific purposes of supporting children in feeling seen, accepted, worthy of love, and respect. Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nene White, and you are going to be so glad you're here for this wonderful conversation. As always, be sure to check out the show's notes to get more information about today's wonderful guest. And also, as always, please like the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast page on Facebook. Okay, thank you. Deborah McNellis, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I, I was noticing you online for quite a while, and then I just thought, why am I just reading what she writes on Facebook and different places? Why don't I invite her to have conversation and you accepted this invitation so I really do appreciate that very much because I love that your emphasis is on drawing out from children what they have within themselves and so that's why I was so happy to have you here and what I want to start with is what experiences and concerns and education brought you to this point in your life to be serving parents and educators for the well-being of students and their healthiest development? Well, I will love sharing that with you. And Mm. But I I first would like to say I love that you were able to pick up that that's what I, that's the emphasis is bringing out who a child is. Mm. I love that you picked that up because that's a big part of why I do what I do. I want the, who that child is to be revealed and, um, and avoid um, trying to create them into something, but reveal who they are. Oh. So, so thank you for that. Oh, thank you for that and for clarifying it even more because that's our responsibility. So you and I are definitely on the same page. Now share your wonderful (laughs) wisdom with us, please. (laughs) Thank you. So yeah, it started when I was a freshman in college and I was trying to decide what I wanted to major in. And I had the realization that not all adults understood all that they could, you know, didn't know all they could know to help children become all they had the potential to become. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go into early childhood education, I somehow intuitively knew that it was important to start as early as possible in, um, in having this, this uh, support of, of who a child is. So so I, I got my degree, as I said, in early childhood education, and I started by teaching kindergarten. And during that time while I was teaching kindergarten, I had so many parents asking me, well, what can I do to help my child learn? And I would convey that 
learning is in everything, whatever you're doing mm -hmm. throughout the day, learning is taking place. Mm -hmm. And and so they'd ask me, well, well, like what, what can I, what can I do? And I'd say, you don't, doesn't, to help your child learn doesn't not mean you have to sit down at the kitchen table and write an A on a piece of paper. You know, that's not uh, really what children need. They need the interaction and um, hands-on and using lots of senses and exploring and experimenting and, and all of that. And and they were just seeking ideas. So I started sharing ideas of things that they could do throughout the day with their children. And this was all before the technology was advanced to know uh, as much about brain development as we now know. Mm -hmm. um, so when that started coming out, I thought, well, here we go. <laughs> We now have science to tell us what children actually need. Mm. So then I started combining the brain science with putting it together with ideas that these parents were seeking. Beautiful. So what, what did you, um, what did science tell you in the early days? And, and how did science tell you? Was it MRIs or, you know, brain scans or? What, what was science doing that made it yes, so? Yes, yes. The technology was now advanced that, that they were able to see what was actually going on in young children's brains and you know how they were growing and what was having that influence and learning that it's experience that has the impact on children's brains. So there, you know, previously it was the um, debate around nature or nurture. Mm -hmm. is, it, is the genetic makeup having the impact? Or is it the experiences that a child is having? Well, what the brain science was showing is that uh, it's the combination. Mm -hmm. So the genetic, there's the genetic makeup that that's kind of like setting a blueprint of the possibilities, but it's the experiences that a child has that that activates the that that genetic makeup, or you know, is actually creating those connections between the 86 billion brain cells that a child has. Mm -hmm. And so this is what science was able to, um, to determine because as I said, prior to this coming out, it was only based on theory or, or behavioral studies. So actually seeing that um, activity going on in brains made the real difference. It's exciting. It's I, I love it because I love theory and I can get lost in it for days on, end, you know, but yes. in the science puts your feet on the ground and takes it away from the woo woo and uh, makes it so real um, and practical. It does. It does. And it, it just cr creates a, a confidence for parents yes. and well, anyone that's interacting with young children, not only yes. parents, educators or anyone um, to have this science rather than, you know, there's so many conflicting uh, theories um, that people think, well, this is the best thing to do for them. And, and if we use science and we know it's, you know, it's biologically what's happening. Mm -hmm. And it's, so it crosses culture and family dynamics and everything. Exactly. Um, and then I, I want to ask you about if you, which do I want to ask you first? Um, should 
people, if they haven't had your education, be intimidated by this concept of brain development, neurodevelopment, and MRIs, and all of this stuff? Should they be intimidated before they can effectively implement any of the information you're going to share with us, or even think about it? Absolutely and, not. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can certainly get into really deep levels of neuroscience and, you know, reading MRIs and, you know, PET scans and all that. Certainly you can get into that level, but to make it practical and implement it into everyday life, excuse me, no, it isn't that complicated. And that's what I love sharing and making people aware of that if, 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 if we just had this basic knowledge, and that's what I share, I bring it down into layman's terms, um, it, it, it really isn't so complicated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, so much so that when, uh, when things are brought into, integrated with knowledge and experience like you, you bring together, then it just feels like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just love what I do. Well, I haven't done in-person presentations for a while now, yes, yeah. but um, when I do, I just love you. Can, I can actually see those aha moments happening <laughs> for people, and it, uh, you know, so wonderful to see that occur. And I, one of one of my most popular comments that I get, or most frequent comments that I get, is, you know, I've heard some brain development things before but I never got it until I heard you explain it. Mm-hmm. 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 Good, so I, I believe it, you are quite clear. Um, and so now, would you give us some examples of like common challenges for, or, or maybe first we should start with the brain development from some you know, early ages up through sure. whatever ages you want. What, give us some more practical stuff that we can relate to. Right now. Okay, yeah. sure. Good, um, yeah, so if I give you, I, I think starting, as you said, um, with some of the basics of understanding brain development, and then I can give you some practical ways to um, implement it. So, so in my full presentations, I know we're just talking briefly here, but what I, I, I said, I don't get into high levels of neuroscience, but, but I do talk about four major areas of the brain. And the brain develops from the bottom up. Um, And so it begins with the brain stem. And that's the only part of the brain that is fully finished developing at birth, Mm -hmm. the brain stem. And and that's in a preterm, I mean, in a full-term baby, it's Mm -hmm. fully developed. Mm -hmm. And that provides, that's just our survival, keep us alive um, portion of the brain. So it regulates heart rate and blood pressure and body temperature and breathing and all of those important aspects, right? Yeah. Um, so when you think of a preterm baby and you can you think of the things we have to provide for them or monitor for them, it's wow. those things, right? Wow. Be- because their brainstem isn't fully finished developing. So I actually have um, twin grandsons that were, were premature. And so, yeah, they had to have breathing tubes and feeding tubes and you know, their heart rates monitored and you know, all of that, keep them warm in the incubators and 
uh, because their brainstem wasn't fully finished developing. Mm. So it makes so much sense when people understand these different brain areas. Oh, that's why, you know. And so were they right on schedule with um, how premature were they born? Oh, they were real, real early. They were only 25 weeks when they were born. And how long is full term? 40. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. when they got to 40 weeks of age, were they were they able to breathe on their own and do everything? Because um, one of them was and he was able to go home from the hospital at, the, at his due date. Mm -hmm. um, the other one had to stay in a couple of a couple months longer. He um, he was having difficulty doing the combination of swallowing, breathing and sucking <laughs> all of those challenging mm -hmm. skills for for a preemie. Um, so he couldn't finish a whole bottle uh, of milk. Mm -hmm. um, he just would get worn out. So he needed some more time for mm -hmm. developing that. So but just even in this conversation to think of that as the brainstem function. Yeah. And then it, it's like it takes it out of this world of worry. And, you know, with with the right everything, then that development is possible, then then he will it will happen and he will yeah. be yeah exactly okay. it's, you just it's, gave me an aha thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's so fascinating. fascinating so then the next area of the brain to complete development and i'm going in the order that it completes development and i'm going to make Good. a point about that in a second Good. so the next area to complete development is called the midbrain and that area is regulates our sleep patterns and our motor skills mm -hmm. so that newborn sleep is kind of all over the place and we don't know when that newborn is going to sleep we just mm -hmm. hope that newborn's going to sleep right mm -hmm. but as this part of the brain starts developing and getting organized it the sleep patterns become more regular and we'll better be able to determine this is when nap time will the morning nap time will be and this mm -hmm. is when bedtime will be so um, this is also the area as i said that regulates motor skills so this is a big part of it is balance um that's why you know a baby can't you plop this baby uh like say a three-month-old on the floor they're not going to balance and be able to sit up right because mm -hmm. this part of the brain isn't fully finished developing yet and that's why the balance part of walking is you know takes a lot of practice so um you know uh, eye hand coordination reaching for that toy that someone's holding in front of them so all of that is happening so a child learns to roll over and crawl and walk and run and skip and as each of the so as this part of the brain matures and develops. Mm. And then the next part of the brain to develop is called the limbic system and that's the uh, an area where emotions take place mm. and uh, it's our main memory area. There's many memory areas, but this is like the main memory area one. If, if Alzheimer's affected, this would be that area. Mm. So memory and emotion are so closely connected. So mm. when a child is, is learning something new and has, is um, feeling good about their relationship with the person that they're interacting with, it's gonna be remembered in a positive way. So memory and emotion are really, really closely connected. Mm -hmm. And I could go into a lot more detail, but I got I'm trying to go quickly with this. Well, last... if you want to uh, go a little bit more on that, because that's 
really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really, really is. And so, um, well, I'll, I'll go into it a little bit more after I finish this last part, and okay, it will make a little bit more sense. Okay, so but please don't feel too rushed, because this is... Okay. Thank you. All Dr. right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, please. So, so this last part of the brain to complete development is called the cortex, and it's way up at the very top of our brain, as I said, from the bottom up. And that last part of the brain is considered the thinking area of the brain. Mm -hmm. I'm doing quotation marks, the thinking mm -hmm. area of the brain. So um, as I said, that's the last part of the brain to complete development. But what I want to make a point of before I go on is that all of these areas are developing all along the way. Mm -hmm. So even though that cortex, that thinking area of the brain is the last to complete development, it's beginning development even prenatally and in infancy, but this is the order that it completes development. Mm -hmm. And then there's one, and there's one last part of the cortex that is the very last part of the brain to develop, and that's mm -hmm. called the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. That's right behind our forehead. Mm -hmm. And when that part of the brain is fully finished developing, it can take control of those other lower parts of the brain. So that's where the term executive function comes in, mm. because it becomes like the executive, the CEO of the brain, mm. and it can take control. And as I said, I was going to relate back to that emotional area mm -hmm. of the brain, because until this prefrontal cortex is fully mature, it can't take control of that prefrontal or that emotional area, that limbic area, mm -hmm. if the limbic area is filled with emotion and really lighting up. So um, I can give you a few examples of different ages that that helps to clarify that. But before I do that, I need to point out that that prefrontal cortex, as I said, is developing all along the way, mm -hmm. but it's not completed until about the mid twenties. <laughs> well, we've certainly could say that our observations sync with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, and uh, like I, I, I always point out that um, car rental companies have this this re uh -huh. this understanding. <laughs> Yes. You can't rent a car unless you're 25 or older, right? Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. I never put that together before. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I'm amazed oh. that I'm still alive that I made it to 25. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I had no concept of danger or... But yeah. anyway, I, I don't, you know, it's just fun to relate all this stuff to personal experience, you know, my own it or is. my own children or my students. It's just so helpful. Okay. Yes, it, it is. It's that's the point. I love that you said that because yeah. that's the point. When right. people understand this, it makes so much sense. It just yeah. clarifies things. Yeah. You might know the ages and stages of development, but this helps you understand why and what's actually going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so when that prefrontal cortex is fully finished developing, it allows us to plan and think in the abstract and anticipate consequences you mentioned you you, you know you, yeah. you were yeah. doing this risk taking yeah. so you anticipate consequences and you 
and it helps to control impulses and regulate behavior and all of these these things that we of course want children to be able to do right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um so as i said it's developing all along the way so let's let's look at some different ages as examples so and so think about and if you had an 18 month old in in the room with you that 18 month old if they've had secure attachment which is a big area of focus that i, <laughs> I have um if they've been securely attached and had their needs responded to predictably and in a nurturing way, they there are then at 18 months at a stage of getting into what? Everything? Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, that pretty much embraces the reality. Yes, I yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get into everything because yes. that's what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. They are at the stage where they oh. need to explore the world. They need to yeah. check it out. What does this do? What does that do? What if I do this to that? What does, if I bring these things together, what does that happen? What happens? They are just figuring out the world and how things work and how they fit into it. Yeah. So, so as I said, that's what they should be doing. Yeah. So if they toddle along and see something, it catches their eye and they get interested and they play with it. Yeah. Now, if a four-year-old was exploring and experimenting, they see something and they're playing with it, they can be playing with that and they can see something over in the, in the, uh, on the other side of the room and think, okay, when I'm finished playing with this, I'm going to go over and play with that. That 18 month old, not so much of that planning, right? Mm -hmm. But that four year old is beginning to do some planning. Mm -hmm. So their prefrontal cortex is beginning to mm -hmm. mature. Mm -hmm. So then this is an example that people <laughs> often relate to and it helps make, you know, clarify all this really well. And it goes to your um, question to expand about the limbic area with that emotional area of the brain. Mm -hmm. So picture that you have a two-year-old in a grocery cart in the checkout line. Yes. Does that sound like fun? Oh boy. <laughs> because right at eye level is what? Yeah. Uh, just candy, brightly right? covered, brightly covered everything. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so they want that candy or that brightly colored, whatever it is, they right. want that. Yeah. And we say, no, we're not getting candy today. Well, they are gonna have a lot of emotion and <laughs> by that response, right? Yes. So they get upset and they start crying and screaming and flailing around and, um, and we call it, out of control behavior don't oh, we yeah well guess what yeah it is out of her control right. because she doesn't have a mature prefrontal cortex to control that limbic area that emotional area that is so fired up with big emotion right now she doesn't know how to control it sure it's in control so, yeah so yeah. she can't regulate those behavior those emotions right now so that's why the adults in her life are so critically important because what we need to do is go to our prefrontal cortex <laughs> and use our mature brain to co-regulate with her. Co-regulate. Yeah, because 
right now, maybe our limbic area, our emotional area might be all fired up too, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, everybody's looking at me. Everybody thinks I'm a horrible mom or a horrible parent. And um, I can't control my daughter right now. And she's so upset and I feel bad for her and I don't know what to do. And so all of that could be going on in our own brain, right? Mm -hmm. But if we take a deep breath, come ourselves, use our mature brain to regulate ourselves, then we can co-regulate with her. Mm -hmm. And we can say, I know it's so hard when you can't have what you want. You're mad that I said no, aren't you? You're mad and you're angry and you're sad. And so naming those emotions helps and empathizing helps greatly. Mm -hmm. And what is happening is she's now having an experience of this co-regulation, which is creating, as I said, it's all about experience. Those experiences are correct, creating connections in her prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. So she will ultimately be able to regulate herself. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, that that's what you're doing. You're providing this experience for her to develop that portion of the brain. And Which, what doesn't help is handing her a cell phone instead. Yeah. That's, that's giving her, that, that's a missed opportunity uh, for her to learn, have this experience for regulation. Uh, um, and so instead, what do you, what is happening in the brain when you hand the diversion, like the, the electronic device, then what? It's what, just, it's just a missed opportunity. Just a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So she, and also, she didn't get that chance to learn, you know, have that experience to wire in her brain of, of regulation. And also I would say she missed, everybody missed an opportunity for um, some mutual respect. You know, her, her emotions were seen, they were acknowledged, they were yep. respected. We're in this together. And just that whole thing of being seen oh. and not being uh, punished or, you know, ignored or diverted is such, exactly. a, it's such an action of respect that exactly. uh, I love yeah. children to receive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do too. And so on to, to that point, I often will share with adults when I'm making this point, I'll say, what if you are upset about something <laughs> and you're really upset and you come to me and you say, you know what so-and-so did to me or what so-and-so said to me? And I just said, oh, you're okay. <sighs> it's not, she's, that person isn't seen, right? Just like you pointed out. Exactly. And so it, are their emotions, are they feeling better now? No, they might be even more upset. No, you're not listening to me. Right. You know, they're, right. it doesn't, it doesn't help. It's well intended to say to a child, sure. oh, you're okay. Yeah. It's well intended, but it doesn't let them be heard and seen and respected like you pointed out. Right. Right. So important. I, I just, you know, a lot of why I do this podcast and why I became a teacher was because for some reason, I just remember all those times when I didn't feel seen and didn't feel heard. And I wanted to reverse it for the kids in my care and for my own sons. You know, I really tried to do, I mean, of course, I went into autopilot a lot of times. And I think 
all of us do at times. Right. Yeah. But that was the intention. That is the intention for being here now in conversation with you. And, and I think we all have to give ourselves a pass for when, you know, our limbic systems. Uh, oh, yeah. But to have this knowledge that you're sharing with us, Deborah, is so, so valuable. So I will stop talking and you will continue in your progression of the brain and the ages. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Would you like an ex example of, uh, sometimes I'll share an example of a 14-year-old. Would you like to go into that age or would you like to go stay oh, in this age? Oh, God, yes. Because to, to know what's coming, you know, instead of being in <laughs> terror of what's coming. <laughs> right. Yes, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Good. So I, I do this little scenario of uh, um, a child, a daughter sitting at the kitchen table with her mother. And this mother throws out this situation for this daughter to think about. And she says, what if your best friend... Amanda came to you and said, my parents aren't going to be home this weekend and we're going to have, I'm going to have a party. And Andrew's brother said he could get us some beer. So we're going to have a party in the family room and we're going to play the music as loud as we want. And we're going to invite <laughs> all our friends over and it's going to be so awesome. So this mother is throwing out this scenario to her daughter and saying, what if that, if, Amanda came and said that to you, what would you do? Yeah. So sitting at that kitchen table, the girl can think about, oh, let's see. Wow, mom, if we got caught, you would be so mad at me. <laughs> and, and you know what, I could get kicked off the soccer team. And, you know, I never drank beer before. I don't know what would happen. I, you know what, if Amanda came to me, I would tell her, no, soccer's too important to me. I don't want to risk um, getting kicked off the soccer team. Yeah. So sitting at that kitchen table at 14 years old, she was using her prefrontal cortex. Yeah. She was planning and thinking through the consequences and how she would control her impulses. She could do all that. Her, her brain was mature enough to be able to, to process all of that. So <clears throat> what if Amanda actually did come to her and said, come on, we're going to have this party and it's going to be so fun and you're my best friend and you have to be there and everybody's going to be talking about it on Monday. You're not going to want to miss out. You're, you have to come, come on, come on, come on. Mm -hmm. What might she do with that in that in the real situation? Uh, it's probably a combination of feeling the peer pressure and wanting to be popular and weighed yeah. against yeah but she has the capacity and she's had some exercise and probably made some connections in her brain about other options that uh she might want to favor right yeah all of that yeah yeah but if that best friend is really come on you don't want to miss out like you said the peer pressure and the right. excitement and the emotion right that limbic area is really fired and lit up right now. Right. And at 14, mm -hmm. she's you know, 11 years away from a fully mature prefrontal cortex. So it might be way too much for that prefrontal cortex to control with all mm -hmm. that emotion going on. Mm -hmm. So she might say, yes, mm -hmm. she might go. 
because the emotion is still so strong. Not to so, mention hormones. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's there too. So, oh, God, so sitting at the <laughs> kitchen table, yeah, sitting at the kitchen table, it's called cold cognition. There wasn't that limbic area wasn't fired uh, up. There wasn't uh, all the emotion happening. Mm -hmm. But in the real situation, when there was emotion, mm -hmm. it was too much for her prefrontal cortex. And that's called hop cognition. Mm. Yep. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so interesting because she's had that uh, mom gave her that opportunity right ahead you know I even used to even do that with my my boys when they were very young you know I would just say okay now we're going into this uh church or we're going into this whatever meeting and I need you to be quiet for this amount of time you know I would just show on the clock or something even when they were three or four if I had the brain power to say that ahead of time they were prepared so I'm just wondering, you know, how, how soon really science tells us, uh, based on the experience that I had, that we can prepare kids if we show enough respect for their, what am I trying to say, their intelligence, but it's more than that, their, their capacity to integrate um, different functions that have to be integrated in order for them yes. to move smoothly through the world. Right. So you're sharing your expectations, you're preparing them. Um, so you're giving them all of that. But your expectations, see, that's the other part of this, is having this understanding creates realistic expectations. Mm -hmm. So you're not, you weren't asking at three or four for them to sit still for an hour. Mm -hmm. Because you don't, you knew that that they didn't have the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. You were having the expectations based on what you understood was their capacity to have um, to meet those expectations. Mm -hmm. But was I was I tapping into their cortex or their prefrontal or just kind of what was what was happening there? It was just intuitive. So yeah, yeah. Well, you're you're creating the um, the the preparation for it be so you're that would be going into the prefrontal cortex because they could think in the abstract and they could imagine what this situation was going to be fascinating 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 okay okay so i think you have some wonderful wisdom about um well oh were you going to give us some examples from you have a neuro nurturing packets or you have kits for parents and for teachers to, uh, i want to hear about that because because again i love to give practical okay what can i do right now to take this knowledge that deborah has given us so, <laughs> <laughs> right now <laughs> that yeah that's exactly why i designed them the way that i did um yes. it's all about right now Good. so so as i said way at the beginning of our discussion that these parents were asking me what can I do at home to help my children mm -hmm. and so I put together um, little flip books um, of activity ideas that can be done throughout everyday life mm -hmm. so they are packets there is a series of packets um, so it's a picture a deck of cards hung on a ring 
this this size of a deck of cards hung on a ring and on the front of each card it gives a interaction or activity idea and then on the back i combined the brain insights Ooh. so it gives the insight as to why and how that is helping support a child's brain development. So you're getting what to do and the why to do it all in a little book that you can flip open and get ideas to do while you're doing the laundry, while you're making dinner, while you're um, you know, doing anything while you're waiting for an appointment or waiting on, in line at the grocery store. <laughs> you, know, you can do all these activities with children in the moment, like you said, right now. Fabulous. Can we have a, a specific couple of specific? Sure. So, yeah, um, we mentioned the two-year-old earlier. Um, so a lot of times people have this image that a two-year-old is so terrible, terrible twos, right? So in the packet, I have one, and, and the packets are all written uh, in the child's voice, because this is what the children want the adults in their lives to do with them and know. So one of the cards in the pack says, it, the title is, I'm not so terrible. And the card says, many people call this age the terrible twos. Instead of focusing on this, it is really best if you notice all of the times I am happy and I'm having fun. <laughs> Pay close attention to how much of the day I enjoy. So it gives you that tip. And then on the back of the card, it explains, at this age, my brain is learning so much at the same time and has so much more to learn. Sometimes it's overwhelming. But when you understand and notice all of the good times, it will help both of us. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> you know, I mean, what's coming up for me, and it's come up a couple of times in this conversation, is when you see uh, the mother or the father getting really angry at the little kids, and it's just completely, they're missing this understanding. Yeah. And it's a tragedy. Yeah, it and is. It's it destructive. Is. It's probably very destructive. It is, yes, and that's you, what breaks my heart, and that's yeah. that just motivates me. This understand the children just want to be understood, and as you said, respected, understood, respected, have appropriate expectations. You know, some you know now they're two years old. Well, they've gained a lot of abilities since that newborn, right? Yeah, right. And now they're able to talk, and they're able to walk, and they're able to ask for what they need, and they're able to you know, do so many things. But that does not mean <laughs> that they have, uh, that they're, it, it means they're still far from, from maturity. And, and so a lot of times the expectations um, without this understanding are just not appropriate. And okay. so I think that's where some of that frustration comes in for adults is, why can't you do this? Why can't you control right. your behavior? Why can't you control your emotions? Right. Well, because they don't, the adult isn't understanding that they can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they don't have the equipment yet. Yeah. It's still, yeah. it's yeah. still forming, but we can yeah. help them in that formation. Exactly. With this understanding. So that, that helping that co-regulating yeah. You know, and that, yeah. Okay. You this is it. beautiful. This is the kind of conversation that I think all of us will want to listen to a couple of times to really pull it in. <laughs> um, okay. Do you want to give us a, another sample or sure. two? 
this one's this one's also at the two-year-old age and this helps with an, another aspect of uh, um, expectations mm -hmm. um, that a lot of times adults don't understand why young children don't share mm -hmm. and so this one's called one for you give me the opportunity to have an item and give an item to someone else for example say here's a book for you can you give the other book to and name the other child mm -hmm. so you're giving them the opportunity to practice but it's not giving something else away they have one they're giving to someone else it's a chance to practice it mm -hmm. so the back of the card says my brain may not be ready to understand sharing at this age giving something to someone when i have the same thing will be the best way for me to practice and so even giving the, uh, changing the term instead of sharing to taking turns um, is another, uh, another way to help with that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, my brother and I needed that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's hear something for preschoolers. Okay. Um, so this is one thing that happens frequently for preschoolers is people push academics on children really, really young. Yeah. And I mentioned that I started my career as a kindergarten teacher and I left teaching many years ago mm -hmm. because there was so much more push on pushing those academics onto children at mm -hmm. younger and younger ages when their brain is not, that is not what they need. Mm -hmm. And so I left at that point in time. And what's the sad thing is it's only gotten worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's only gotten worse since then. And I, you know, I just boggles my mind that we have more what I say all the time is we have more information about what children actually need scientific evidence of what yeah. children actually need. And we're doing more of the opposite. Mm. And we have more access to the information than we've ever had before either too. So, mm -hmm. so anyway, um, with that little preface, <laughs> mm -hmm. this is an activity I have in the four year old packet. So the one that I was reading before is called um, more to do while I'm two and this one's called let's learn more while I'm four. <laughs> and it says, I can read it, create an I can read it book, cut out logos that I recognize from food labels, coupons or ads, glue these clippings onto a homemade scrapbook for me to read. Um, they're not actually reading, they're just mm -hmm. recognizing mm -hmm. the, those familiar things. So instead of pushing actual reading on children at young ages, just give them an opportunity to, um, to recognize things and take that pride in it. Mm -hmm. Learning to read combines many skills in my brain. Mm -hmm. Giving me opportunities to recognize symbols helps prepare my brain for remembering the symbols and letters that make up words. Mm -hmm. So you're just giving them a fun um, activity that you know isn't pushing reading, but but they can be proud of it. And just you know, doing a lot of actual reading with them is what is what they rec they need most. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. This is um, this is a, something that um, parents are always challenged with: getting kids to pick up 
uh, around the house or pick up their toys or pick up their room, right? Ooh. So okay. this one is, it's called pickup. Make cleaning up a game. Put me or give me directions to follow. For example, say, put the game on the shelf and take five hops back. Or say, <laughs> or say put the book in the basket, turn around three times and skip to me. So there are, there's so many positive things that are happening in this. Yeah. They're, they're hearing directions. They're hearing, you know, learning uh, two-step or three-step directions. Yeah. They're um, doing movement activities. And they're helping and contributing to the family. So all of that is happening. And associating it with happiness and fun. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the whole point. Yeah. Let's make it all enjoyable and yes. fun and not a task. None of this is a task. It's right. all just fun and interactions. So the back of the card says, remembering instructions in order is important for me to learn. It's usually easiest to remember the last thing you tell me. I need a fun way to practice remembering more than one instruction in my short-term memory. Wow, I love that. <laughs> I love that. And this what is one that you could use um, like when you're in a situation of waiting, you're waiting for an appointment or you're waiting in line um, at the grocery store or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's called what if. Create a discussion by asking me what if questions. For example, what if the oceans were filled with pudding? Or what if dogs were as big as houses? So the back of the card says, asking questions that need more than a yes or no answer makes me use the thinking part of the brain. So yes. that cortex, closed questions like, do you like school? Also limit my language development. Yeah. And again, when you ask questions that require more than more than yes or no or one word responses you're showing respect for their capacities and their intelligence yeah and for them period you yeah. know i see you i want to hear you i want to know more about you for real not just for real yeah, yeah. and yeah. then just think of the enjoyment you know what comes of that asking that question oh, what, yeah. what are they going to answer that parent can get have just so much enjoyment of hearing what that type of thinking that that child might have. Or come uh, up with. And, and it, there will be some wonderful surprises there. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Now, uh, I know that you place a great value on time in nature. Oh, yes. We all sense that nature is good for us, but maybe it's a bit of a luxury. I have so much to do here and we have so much to do there. But give us your insights for why we need to make time for nature please oh, nature is so 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 beneficial as you said yeah. um we do need to make time for nature it, yeah. it reduces stress levels so um one thing the brain is always unconsciously scanning the environment and the people in it for safety it's always focused on safety mm. um so um so what the like I said, it's unconsciously doing this all of the time. So mm -hmm. when we go outside in nature, there's just kind of this release of 
we don't have, there's not so much to focus on. We can calm our brain down a bit. And even so research shows even 10 minutes in nature helps reduce stress levels in the, in the brain. It uh, increases attention span, um, even for children with ADHD or attention deficit issues. Mm. Um, it's just, there's so many benefits. I mean, there's a lot to learn outside in nature as well. Um, hospitals use this information because if second best to getting outdoors in nature, if we can't get outdoors in nature, the next best thing is looking out of a window. And the third best thing is if you can't do that is to look at a photograph or a painting of nature. Mm -hmm. And so hospitals use this information. They're creating, um, you know, a lot of newer hospitals create these, uh, garden areas to look out at, or if you notice, you'll see they have nature photographs or um, paintings in the hallways and in the patient's rooms. And because they know what a benefit all of this is mm -hmm. to, to health and, and brains. So yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing, it, it's so incredibly valuable. Yeah. So that I, I created a, a special packet of the flip books um, just on nature. It's called Ooh. Natural Naturally Developing Young Brains. And can we have a sample? Certainly. Um, this one says, let's look for nature wherever we go while riding in a car or bus while looking out of a window or looking in books and magazines in a waiting room. Help watch for, point out, or name all the plants and animals I see. And the back says, even short amounts of time looking at nature out of a window or even looking at photos of a natural environment is calming and improves my brain performance. So, you know, like a lot of times schools will, you know, we're crunch for time. We didn't get all the, we wanted to get all the curriculum we wanted to get in today. Um, we, we don't have time to go out for recess. Hmm. It's just the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Um, if they get outside, they're going to be able to absorb the learning when they come back in so much better yeah. combined with physical movement and that whole aspect of it as yeah. well. Yeah. But yeah. So um, here's another one. Uh, help me make a pair of binoculars by connecting two toilet paper tubes together and tying a, a yarn or shoestring strap. I might want to decorate it. Go outside with me and look for birds or animals. The binoculars will help me focus my attention. Ah. And the back says, my brain focuses on one thing at a time. When my brain pays attention to that one thing, brain cells connect and I am learning. We can, multitasking is a myth anyway. Well, we can multitask, but we can't, we can't pay attention to two things at a time. Right, right. We can only pay attention to one thing at a time. Right. I do. I do a whole presentation on just attention. In fact, I'm working on creating a, a virtual um, course on that topic. Really important. Really yeah. important. So, um, 
I feel so enriched by this conversation. Thank you, Deborah. And oh, I know I, <laughs> um, I feel the, the love and the dedication you have to, to bringing this forward for, for parents and teachers and um, for the betterment of uh, the human race, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> so people, if they want to get a hold of you, I will put it in the show's notes, but tell us just now. My website is braininsightsonline.com. Okay. Giving insights into the way that children's brains develop. Perfect. And uh, I do have a, a newsletter that people can um, sign up for on the website. And then all my social media contacts are on there as well. Okay, perfect. I'll put all of that into the show's notes. This, uh, this has been exceeded my highest expectations for what could happen in conversation with you Deborah. thank you Aww. so much thank you for what you're doing and what you're bringing and what you I, in a previous conversation you said you couldn't not do this that's right I, I can't I can't stop <laughs> yeah clearly clearly uh, you are the kind of person I want to talk to on this podcast so thank, oh, thank you. you so much thank, thank you. you thank you I'm going to mention one more thing that's brand oh, new good. Good. It's um, I created an e-guide, so it's downloadable, and it's a perfect companion to these packets mm -hmm. or a, as an introduction to this information that I've shared. So I just wanted to mention that because it's it's fairly new, but it's just full of, of what I believe is value <laughs> to to all the points that we've been making today. Wonderful. And and that's uh like if a person goes to your website, braininsightsonline.com, that'll be on the homepage or? Uh, yes, it is. It is on the homepage. Yes. Okay, perfect. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so very much. It was such <laughs> a pleasure. Oh, my, my pleasure. Definitely. All right. All the best to you, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Did you enjoy gaining new levels of learning and insights about brain development and how we as parents and educators can nurture children's growth for the healthy manifestation of each one's unique potential? Clearly, Deborah and I just skimmed the surface of what she's able to help all of us do in very practical and actionable terms for today's youth. I hope you'll check out Deborah's website to learn more at braininsightsonline.com And, you know, if you take the time to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that'll help make this podcast more visible for more listeners everywhere. And I will be so grateful to you. Thank you.